Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Today's title, the title of the message is called Different. Different, okay? So when I was beginning to prepare for this message, I thought, we live in a world where everyone wants to be the same, right? And what I mean by that is this. We want to do the same things. We want to wear what celebrities wear, right? They wear the, the newest fashion, and then that passes down to everybody else, and all of a sudden you're wearing something that a celebrity may have been wearing. We want to talk like reality TV stars, right? We want to do what they do sometimes. We want to look like them. We live in what's called a copycat society. We all do that, right? So you can find this in every facet. You can find it in sports. You can find it in the NFL. NFL, the West Coast offense came out, and then everybody mimicked that, right? In basketball, everybody, at one point, the big man used to be the big thing in the game, right? Now everybody wants to shoot three-pointers, right? So we live in a copycat society. Let's turn to 1 Peter 2, 9. And actually, we're going to pray real quick before I get actually started. Okay? Would you lead us in prayer real quick? I'm going to take a break real fast. Just lead us in prayer real quick. Okay. Ready? Heavenly Father, we ask that you watch over each and every one of us. Prepare ourselves for the message that we're about to receive, to give us the strengths, to keep pushing forward the battle of the sins that face us. We thank you for this wonderful day and all the blessings you provide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To forgive me, I don't want to blow my nose in front of the camera. I've got a little congestion here, and it's, it's been mounting for several days. I am not sick. It's been allergies, and it's flaring big time. So let's get started. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Okay, the Bible says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out. Let's go on of darkness into his marvelous light. So he called you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? So when I begin to think about this and I say, we live in a copycat world, right? We live in a world where everybody wants to be the same, yet God has called us to be different, right? So I begin to think to myself, he called us to be different. We were meant to mimic Christ. We were meant to actually look to him we were supposed to look to him when it comes to what we say. We were supposed to look to him to what it comes to what we were supposed to think like, how we're supposed to act, 
He's the one we're supposed to look to, right? Let's turn to Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Let's read this real quick. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Do you got it up there? Let me turn it here. I'll read it right here. Okay, it says this. Therefore, now this is coming off of a chapter. We call it the Hall of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, right? He's talking, he's listing all these men and women of God, powerful men and women of God, and the horrific things they went through and not receiving the promise yet, right? They could foresee it. They could see it far off, but they had not received the promise, okay? So right after that chapter, he says this, chapter, one, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that, so clings, that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set out for us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And it goes on to say this, for the joy set out for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're called to actually look to Christ. That's what we should be doing, right? So we are actually supposed to be different. In a society where everything is the same and everyone wants to be the same, we're to be different. So I begin to think to myself, and, and part of this is my own experience. So you may have the same experience, and I'm betting my money that you have the same experience. We're called to be like Christ. But as a whole, when I meet Christians who, who profess themselves as Christians, who tell me they are Christians in everyday life, they don't resemble who Christ is. And I think to myself, whenever, whenever I'm talking to them in conversations, they don't say things that Christ would normally say. They don't act like he acted. They don't think like he thought. I'm actually surprised when I'm in conversations with these people and they're talking to me and they're telling me they're Christians. And I'm surprised at what they say. Because every time they say something that's contrary to the word, I'm like, oh. But that, that's not in the word that way. That's not what God tells us to think like. That's not what God tells us to behave like. Well, they deserved it. Well, but God doesn't tell us to do that in the scripture, right? And I see that all the time. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm not saying everybody's wrong and no one's Christian. I'm not saying any of that. We all make mistakes. We all do. But that tends to be a, cons a consistent thing that I run into with professing Christians, I'm like, it doesn't say that in the Bible. I had a conversation the other day, and someone brought up something, and I won't mention names or anything else, but the person was talking about how they were having trouble with something, and it was bothering them, and they were saying things like, I can never forgive them. And I thought to myself, you're a professing Christian. What do you mean you can never forgive them. I don't find that in scripture, right? That goes against the very scripture we read and teach and preach, right? This happens too often with professing Christians. And I'm sure you have those same experiences when you talk to people, when they say, I'm Christian. And, and I say that because 
you know, everybody nowadays is Christian. Every group is Christian. Every person's Christian. No matter where you go, we're all Christian. I bet you money if I was a betting man that the person that cut you off, the person that flipped you off, the person that told you off, that person, if you walked up to him on another day, he would say he was Christian. Right? You know it because you know society. It's the same thing. So I look at that and I say, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If these are in fact Christians, right, something is wrong with this scene. We should be mimicking Christ, not mimicking the world. And those are the worldly things that the world does. So I am not saying this, you have to be perfect. I am not saying that. You don't have to be perfect. You should strive for perfection, but you're never going to be perfect. You're not Jesus Christ, right? You will always have to battle sin. The temptation of sin in your life will always be there. It will always be there. But as a whole, and generally speaking, you shouldn't be walking in sin. As a Christian, you shouldn't. When you see throughout the Bible, when you hear Peter and John and Paul and all of them talking about sin, they all talk about, you know, how bad they were, how wretched they were and every, everything else. But once they accepted Christ, what do they say? They all talk about getting rid of sin in your life. So as a Christian, we should generally be free of those things. Now, you'll make a mistake here and there. But I shouldn't be living like the world. I shouldn't be looking like the world, Right? So I thought to myself, what's the problem? What can I tell these people that will make a real difference and an impact? What can I tell them that will result in real change in your life, in your Christian walk, that will set you apart, that will put you into the standard of you were set apart as a holy nation? What could I tell them that will do that, right? Because Christ is in you, right? You are saved. And I'm not saying you don't, you you behave, you don't behave like a Christian. I'm talking in generalities here as to us all in Christian, in Christianity. What can I say that can make an impact? What can I tell them a, a three-step process, right? Wh whatever it is, right? What can I do? And I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it and I said, you know what? There are three things I think I could tell you that would probably put you on the right path to being that Christian you're supposed to be. I include myself in this, and I include every other minister and every other Christian involved in it. If they do these three things, I think you're on the right path to actually being set apart, holy nation, and everything else. Because God has made you that way. You've just got to walk that way, right? And that's your part, your part to do. So, the three things, I, three things I came up with. The first one is, is, is examine yourself. Examine yourself. So let me give you a backdrop before we turn to this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to turn there real quick because I want to read to you what Paul was dealing with. Some of what Paul was dealing with. So Paul was dealing with this and he's writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And this is what he's dealing with, okay? They were struggling with, they were quarreling. They were jealous. They were angry people. I'm not giving you this scripture because it's just not up there, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, and I'm just going to read through it. They were, they were dealing with anger. They were dealing with selfish ambition. They were slandering. There was gossip. They were arrogant, and there was disorder. And so Paul is dealing with this in the church. 
right? So he's writing them a letter on what to do and so on and so forth. Now let's read chapter 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 through 8. This is what Paul says to them. So they question him. They are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through him. They're demanding proof. They're saying, okay, you're telling us to do all this, but we demand proof that Christ is actually speaking through you. This is Paul we're talking about, and they're, they're questioning him. So he says this in verse 5. Put yourselves to the test to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize regarding yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. And I hope that you will realize that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you may not do anything wrong, not so that we may appear to have passed the test, but so that you may do what is right, even if we may appear to have failed the test. Now, I'm going to break that down a little bit to make it a little bit easier than what he's talking about, okay? So the first and foremost thing that I want to say is you have to examine yourself. You have to look within. There's a starting point for everyone. So you want to be a Christian? You want to be that Christian that's set apart? You want to be a Christian that's actually walking and talking and thinking and acting like a Christian? Examine yourself. Examine yourself for two things. Number one, are you really saved? Are you really saved? Let's turn to, I think this is going to be the, hold on, just I want to verify this because I didn't give you this scripture either. But this scripture is, okay. So I'm going to turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. And I say, examine yourself to see if you're a Christian. This is what the scripture says. The one who says, I have come to know God and yet does not keep his commandments, he is a liar. And the truth is not in such a person. But whoever obeys his word truly in this person, the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Let's stop right there. Think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. The one who says, I have come to know God and yet does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. So by that standard, just by that standard alone, how many of the Christians that you know that are professing Christians, how many of them are Christian by that standard? And yeah, the, the, the statistics begin to drop, right? It's like the less and less, the more, the more people you know, the, the actual smaller amount of people that are actually real Christians that are out there because they're not actually keeping his commandments, right? So number one, examine yourselves. Now we say this, well, Paul said examine yourself. Well, how do we do that? Well, the key is in verse 7. Let's turn to, to verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Would you put that up on the screen? Paul says this to them. So he says, examine themselves. And then he says this, now we pray to God that you may not do anything wrong, not so that we may appear to have passed the test, but so that you may do what is right. I think there's more to that scripture. Even if we may appear to have failed the test. Now there's a clue there. Let's go back. There's a clue there. How do we, pass, how do we examine ourselves? Let's go back to verse 7. He says, I pray to God that you may not do anything wrong, not so that we may appear to have passed the test. So apparently, if you do something right, Paul is saying he passes his test, right? 
Then he goes on to say, but that's not why I'm praying for you. So Paul recognizes and he realizes, he understands the intent of the Corinthian church. The church is going to say, well, you're only praying so that way you pass your test because if we do right, you're going to pass it. So he anticipates that and he answers and says, not that we may appear to have passed the test, but so that you may do what is right. So let me simplify that even further to make it even more easily absorbed. I'm going to put it in my own words, okay? Paul is essentially saying, you, if you do what is right, that shows that you're good fruit. And if you're good fruit, that validates my position, right? That's what he's saying. But then he goes on to say, but I'm not in it for my validation. I'm in it for you so that you are just good fruit. That's what he's saying. Does everybody get that? So when he says examine yourselves, look at the fruit in your life. Look to see, does it line up with scripture? Are you acting in a way that is contrary to the gospel, to the Christianity that you profess? Are you, are you acting in a way, are you thinking in a way, are you doing in a way that's contrary to that? That's how you examine yourself. Simple as that, right? We take a, a, a saying like that and it's like, man, what, what? it's as simple as that. Examine yourselves. Are you acting in a way that is contrary to the, face, to the faith that you profess? Number one, examine yourselves. You need to know. You need to know where you stand. You can begin from there. The second thing you can do, the second thing you can do is think differently. Think differently. Let's turn to Philippians 4.8. I'm going to. Let's read that. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You want to behave like a Christian? You want to be that, that person that's set apart? You have to start with your thinking. That's the second thing you got to do. You got to actually change your thoughts. You've got to do that. The world will tell you how to think, right? What will they tell you? They told us, they had us believe, they had a lot of people believing that cloth masks actually protected you. Cloth masks. I'm not talking about doctor masks or anything else. Cloth masks that they actually protected you. And they don't. There's already study after study after study that shows that those don't work, right? But they had you believing that. They had you believing that if you didn't wear a mask, you didn't care about people, right? You remember that one? Never mind that you never saw anybody picketing fast food because thousands and millions of people die of obesity every year, but no one's picketing fast food, right? But they had you thinking you didn't care about people if you didn't wear a mask. The world will tell you it's okay to shack up with people, right? I can't tell you how many professing Christians I have known over the years who have shacked up with somebody. And I think there's no urgency for you to get this right. That's the problem. We have professing Christians that are not behaving like Christians, right? So the world will tell you it's okay to shack up. The world will tell you it's okay to, to use curse word after curse word. The world will tell you there are many ways to heaven, right? You, you just believe what you want. I, you know, I have my belief, you have your belief. The world will tell you you don't need church. The world will tell you you shouldn't judge anyone. 
I can't believe you, how many times I've been told you can't judge someone. You should not. Someone the other day said, you know, you're a pastor, but still, even though you're a pastor, you shouldn't be judging. And I had to stop them politely and say, hey, you, that, it, the Bible doesn't say it that way. You, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to that. Okay? It does not say you cannot judge someone. It says you shouldn't. If you do, you'll be judged by the measure you judge them. That's what it says. So I can judge. And the Bible gives us clearly the, the approval to judge those inside the church. So if you're a professing Christian, I can look to you and I can say, hey, I don't know, buddy. I have that right. It's the world that we look at that we're supposed to have compassion for and say, you know what? Um, I'm not going to look to them and judge them because they don't have Christ. We're the ones that, that should be the difference. We're the ones that should be different, right? So we got to get that right. But the world will tell you you can't judge anybody. The world will tell you the money is the greatest thing to pursue. Some pulpits will even tell you that. Somebody, some, the world will tell you that drunkenness is cool. People brag about how drunk they got and how cool it is. The world will tell you you're racist no matter your actions, right? What is that new thing, the um, critical race theory? You were born that way. That's what the world will tell you. The world will tell you you can change your gender identity. You can be what you want. That's what the world will tell you. You know they know better than that. Right? That's how far their, their consciences are seared. That's how far it is. Right? But the world will tell you all these things. The world will tell you to rejoice in other people's afflictions. Right? But we should not be that way. We should not because we know that's not the truth as Christians. We know that you can't change your identity, your gender identity. We know you are who you are. We know that you shouldn't be shacking up with somebody, right? We should know that. We know there's only one way to heaven, right? We know church is a good thing and we should be going because God commands us to go. We know that there are people that we have to look at their fruit. That's called judgment. We look at their fruit. We're fruit inspectors. We know we should be pursuing God, not money, and that God does provide what we need, but we should be pursuing God. We know these things. I should be thinking good things, according to what Paul says, things that are commendable, things that are praiseworthy, things that are just and true, those are the things that I should be thinking about. I'll give you an example, a small example. My little girl, little Emmy, she says the other day, we, she, my, my middle child, Claire, she tells us she wants a certain toy, and those toys got mixed up in their stockings. She knows it, but she wants her toy, right? So Emmy goes to mama, and mama's being wise and says, you know what, we'll just switch them. Claire won't know. It's okay. It's okay. So I'm standing right there, and I'm approving of it. I'm like, that's true, and we don't want to fight here. <laughs> Let's just make it smooth and quick and easy, right? So we do it, and we tell Emmy, you go ahead and you go play. She gets her toy, and she comes back to mama. She says, but I really want to tell Claire. No, we don't, we don't want to start all that. Go and play. You're fine. She goes and, come play, and she comes back, and she says the same thing. She goes and she goes play, and then finally she comes to me. And we're all in the same room, we're right next to each other. And she comes to me and she gives me these puppy dog eyes. And you know, I'm starting to fail more often than not when it comes to their puppy dog eyes, right? Because you know, daddies and their girls, it's just like they melt your heart, right? Well, she looks at me and she tells me, she says, Daddy, 
Claire needs to know the truth. <laughs> it, it softened me and it broke my heart. And I said, you know what, baby? You go and you tell her the truth. So she goes. It's like she had to get it off of her chest because we teach her that you have to be truthful. You have to be honest. While at the same time, we're trying to avoid a big old ruckus here. She remembers what we're teaching her. She knows what's right. So she's trying to get it off of her chest. And she couldn't even play because she had to tell her sister. So I said, you go ahead and you tell her. So she walks up to Claire and tells her in her own way. Claire, you remember you picked, the, you picked this toy and we put it, you put it in the wrong stocking. And we went ahead and we switched it behind your back. And we did this and we did that and blah, blah, blah. But this is the toy that you really wanted. And you know what Claire says? Yeah, that's the toy I really wanted. And that was that. So Claire gets her own toy. Emmy gets the toy that she wanted. Everything worked out. She knew what to think because we had been instilling in her truth, truth, truth. Be honest. Tell the truth. We know how to be, right? As Christians, we know we should be thinking. But we should be doing that all the time. And we should be encouraging other Christians to do the same thing. You should be renewing your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Would you turn there? Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reason. In other words, that's what you should be doing. That's what it means when it says re your reasonable service. That's what you should be doing. Then it says, do not be conformed to this world, but, but be transformed by what? By renewing your mind. That means thinking differently. So that what? So that you can know what God's perfect will is in your life. That's what that means. So that you can know it. You can't know it unless your mind is different. That's why we run into Christians that are not, they're, they're saying things contrary to the Bible because they don't know the word. They haven't been exchanging their thoughts for scripture. And now they don't know God's perfect will. So the second thing you have to do is change the way you think. It's a simple, practical thing. But I promise you, if you change the way you think, you'll start to really change. The third one, be a doer of the word. Let's turn to James chapter 1, verse 22. The Bible says this, but be sure you live out the message and do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourselves. For if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes at his own face in the mirror. For he gazes at himself and then goes out and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. Imagine that. We'll stop there. Imagine that. Too many Christians just hear the word and they don't follow through with it. Right? If I can, if I can use this metaphor, too many Christians see the mirror of the pulpit or hear the mirror of the message, see the mirror of their Bible when they're reading it, but the moment they close their Bible, the moment they walk out of church out of the service, they forget. They forget. We shouldn't be looking in a mirror and then forgetting what we look like when we turn around. We should be remembering, right? I have a funny story. <laughs> so I have this knack for coming to church and, and always walking out the door without having combed my hair. <laughs> always. And it's funny. One day I actually came here without combing my hair. It looked funny. I put gel in it, and I, and I pushed it down like this, and I was going to spike it, and I forgot to spike it. <laughs> so I came to church, and it was all like this. My wife laughed at everybody. Was really laughing at me, but um, I have this knack of doing that, right? 
You can't forget what you look at in the mirror. I actually didn't look in the mirror. That was my problem. I should have looked in the mirror. <laughs> but in essence, we shouldn't be forgetting what we hear. We should actually be following through with what we hear. Okay? Let's turn to Philippians 4.9. This is what Paul says. Right after he says what you should be thinking, this is what he says. And what you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do these things. Wow. A far cry from, you know what, do what I say, not what I do. That's a far cry from that, right? Because Paul is saying everything you've learned from me, you've received from me, you've heard from me, you've seen in me, do it. Now that's some confidence there, right? <laughs> you imagine if I just walked up to you and says, hey, everything I have ever done, everything I have ever said, everything I'm doing, you just do. That's confidence. Like, that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying everything you've learned from me, everything you've received from me, everything you've heard from me, and everything you've seen me do, do. That's confidence. That's a man that was thinking right. That's a man that was doing the word of God. Now, we say this. When we say do the word, well, there's a lot of things to do in the word. There's a lot of commandments. If you open up your Bible, you'll see, don't do this, do this, do this, do this, don't do this. But it's not a to-do list. That's not what it was meant to be. You can take the whole Bible, and I've said this before, the, the entire Bible, this whole thing right here, this whole thing. And you can sum it up into two things, two small things. Love God and love your neighbor, right? Jesus himself said that. The Old Testament, that's what it amounted to. The New Testament, that's what it amounts to. Love God and love your neighbor, right? So when we talk about doing the word, that's as simple as you can get. Love God and love your neighbor. And if you want to know what love is, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. This is what love is. This is what he means. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envious. It does not brag. It is not puffed up. It is not rude. It is not self-serving. It is not easily angered or resentful. It is not glad about injustice, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believe all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So let's go back to verse 4. So you want to actually be a doer of the word and love people and love God? Go to verse 4 again. Love your neighbor. Be patient with them. Love God. Love your neighbor. Be kind. Be kind to your neighbor. Don't envy him. Don't brag about yourself and lift yourself up. Go to verse 5. Don't be rude to them. Don't be self-serving, always looking for yourself. Don't be easily angered and don't, re don't be resentful. Don't resent people. Don't be glad about injustice when something happens to someone else. And keep no record of wrong. Always rejoice in truth. It's as simple as that. You want to be a doer of the word? Love God and love your neighbor. We'll end here. 2 Peter 1 verse 3, it says this. We want to be different, right? We're supposed to be different. So we should be examining ourselves. We should be thinking differently, and we should be do a doer of the word. And this is what the Bible says in 2 Peter 1, 3. You have that back there. It says this, I can pray this. This is Peter talking. I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed upon us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us, by his own glory and excellence. Think about what he just said there. He said he's given you everything. Through Christ, you have everything you need to live this life through godliness. Everything. There's not a thing you lack. 
So when it comes to being different, when it comes to actually being different, setting yourself apart, three practical things that will actually really make a huge difference in your life. People will notice it. And not only will people notice it, I promise you there will be opposition. I promise you people around you won't like it. Matthew 10.34 says this. Let's turn there. Did I give you that one? He says this. Do not think, this is Jesus talking now. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. Let's go to verse 35. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Let's go on. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. What is he trying to say there? He's not trying to say you should be against your dad and you should be against your mom and your daughter and everything else. He's not saying that. He said you have to realize that there's a divide coming. When you accept Christ, you are supposed to be different. And because you are different, you're not always going to be liked. People aren't going to want to be around you because you stand for something they don't stand for. They're going to look at you like you think you're a goody two-shoes. You think you're better than everybody else. You're so judgmental. You're all of those things. But in fact, you are supposed to be different. And there will be opposition because of it. If you're really doing it right, <laughs> you'll have some opposition. Did you know when I became Christian, I lost all of the crew that I used to hang out with, all my friends? Do you know why? It wasn't because of something I did to them. And it wasn't because of something, it wasn't because they hated me. It's because they couldn't stand how much I talked about God to them. They couldn't stand it. They didn't want to be around me no more. They, man, you just talk about God all the time. And I'd, we'd go and they want to give me a drink. And I'm like, they'd be wasting their beers because they would pop the beer right in front of me and I'd look at it. And it'd just spill over. I'm not drinking. That's what would happen. They didn't like it. They didn't like who I became. And eventually, I no longer hung out with any of that crowd. And I didn't try to walk away from them. I would call them and see what they were doing. Hey, man, you want to hang out? I just lost them all, right? There was opposition because I was different. And that's what Christ did for me. It wasn't something I did. Christ did that for me. I had to follow through. I had to start thinking differently. I had to start doing the word. I had to examine myself. You have to do the same. If you want real results in your life, you want real change, those are the things that you have to do. All right? Let's stand up. Let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you, Father, for tonight. We ask, God, that you would be with us, God. We ask, Father, that you would help us, Father, in our walk to actually examine ourselves, to get ourselves right, to start thinking differently, and to start doing your word, Father. I pray, God, that we become Christians we become the holy nation that you said that we were, Father. I pray that we actually begin to start thinking that way and doing those things, Father. I pray, Father, that your word begins to rub off on us and it begins to work on us, Father. I pray, Father, that there's genuine results in our lives, that people see us as different. I pray, Father, that they see the Christianity inside of us, that they see the Christ inside of us. That's what I pray, Father. I pray that everyone in here goes to their job, goes to their home, goes to the grocery store, goes to the, to the place where they get fuel, a gas station, everywhere they go. I pray, Father, that they leave a mark, that people can tell there's something different about them. 
that they bring the light. As your word says, Father, a light cannot be hidden. That they be the genuine light for people. I pray that you work on their hearts, Father. As this year ends and as the new one begins, Father, this weekend, I pray, Father, that you would work on their hearts to be genuine, to be genuine men and women of God that serve and that follow you, Father. I pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.